Hello and welcome to Sports Talk, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and over the next couple of months I'll be interviewing a broad range of sports stars and personalities in a nice, relaxed and casual format. Our show is sponsored by the fantastic Medell Healthcare and we would like to thank them for their continued sponsorship even in these difficult times. This week's guest swapped Healy Park in Oma for Windsor Park in Belfast. It's current Aberdeen and Northern Ireland winger, Niall McGinn. Niall McGinn, it could have been all so different for you. You were a nippy little player, or with Tyrone under-21s, but your path went a different way. Yeah, no, but sort of, you really look, sort of look back on things and, and see, see sort of how my, my career evolved over the years. It's been absolutely crazy, to be honest. A lot of people probably don't know my story with sort of the ins and outs of, like, I was still, I was still studying, I was still at college, any young lad, I was just trying to make sort of money, because I was, I was at college, I was playing football, I was playing soccer, I was playing, I was training four or five nights a week, I had a soccer match on a Saturday, and then Gaelic match on a Sunday, and played for true minors, uh, I just love Gaelic, uh, the local Gaelic football pitch, and down at Moore, was just right behind my house, and stayed, so I was always up there practicing, and just sort of playing football as, as much as I possibly got, I probably played Gaelic a lot more than I did soccer, I went to like local soccer fun weeks and, and different things and I played uh, obviously with Dungan United Youth and through the ranks there and then into the obviously the, the, the first team and I probably only had a stint of about six months at Dungan Swiss where I'd done really well and that's when Stephen Kenny spotted me and uh, then sort of things progressed in there and he took up the phone and, and obviously wanted to sign me and he offered me a three year full time professional contract and and at the, at the same time, I was still doing studies in Belfast, so I sort of had a big decision to make because Mickey Hart was on the phone to me and he, he wanted me to be part of the throne team, not just only for like National League and stuff. And it was the opening of the, the lights of Cook Park mm. when Throne played Dublin in front of what? It was at that game, yeah. Yeah, so it was around that time where he was sort of, he, was, he had that like a car at the end mm. of the stick that he was sort of dangling in front of me saying like, you look, you can play in front of 80,000 people here or, or obviously if you you're wanting to go on to soccer and, and do that so I was more than happy and thankful that I definitely chose the right path and then things just went from strength to strength so making that uh, step to full-time professional football at Derry City was massive for me You mentioned Stephen Kenny but when you look at the League of Ireland and see the likes of yourself you know Paddy McCourt then went over there Shawnee Maguire Shane Long there's so many players that have come from the League of Ireland and done so well across the water Yeah no the year I went, uh, like, I, I, I was obviously my first year full-time football and after six months, uh, Paddy McCourt moved to Celtic and then I, I didn't think in a million years, I, six months after that, I would be moving to Celtic to think that I went to Celtic sort of six months after Paddy. was crazy. And Seamus Coleman moved that year as well, who was obviously a talented player and Keith Fahey was there and he came back and he had an good season and then he moved across again, I think he was at Birmingham and that. But uh, I remember... When I went into Celtic, I was doing sort of my medical and, and I walked into the canteen and, and there Seamus Coleman was sitting in the canteen. Uh, he was on trial at Celtic and to think that Celtic never signed Seamus Coleman then was obviously crazy. Look at Andy Robertson. Yeah, it's just, but they're all sort of good stories. <laughs> yeah. They end up signing for like, what, 50 odd grand <laughs> from, from, uh, from Slagger Rovers or, or 75 grand, I don't know the exact figure, but for him to go on and have the career he has, it's just crazy, but. It just shows you, it's almost hard for any player. Like, my whole time at Celtic, when I was there, I think you had 10s and 20s of like players coming in and uh, being on trial, but I think you only ever signed one person on trial, so it's always difficult for any player to come in and be on trial and press. Like, it's, 
you have players that I've played with over the years. They're good. They're good players on a Saturday, but not necessarily good trainers during the week. You know what I mean? Or yeah. they have players who are good trainers and maybe don't show up often on, on a Saturday. So, yeah, it's always difficult for any player to be on trial to obviously impress, etc. So, now, definitely, regarding the League of Ireland, there's loads and loads of combo players, especially that season that I played and my teammates as well. And even James McLean, he was like a, a young yeah. son coming into the team. End of the team just before I left, and for for him to go on and have the career that he has, it's, it's been brilliant as well. Can you look at the players that you played with over in Celtic? Like you had uh, the holy goalie, Arthur Barrich, Robbie Keane was there as well, Scott McDonald, Samaras, McGrew, Ledley. It must have been brilliant for a young lad like yourself coming over from Ireland and then be given the chance to not only train with these players but actually play with them as well. Yeah, no, when they. I remember I, I went to Swansea to, to watch Swansea and Cardiff. I was about to sign for Swansea. They, they'd been watching me for about five months in the League of Ireland. And they offered me a contract. I went, I went over that game, met Roberto Martinez, and he came to the hotel. I met him a few times. And I was about to sign the contract. And I was home and sitting in the house. And my agent phones me. He says, look, Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon's been on the phone. Where are you? I said, I'm in the house here. So we drove straight to my house. Me the crack to said, Ah, me has been on the phone. So I'm like going to sign you, so I thought, Wow, this is absolutely amazing. And to sort of think that sort of young Irish lad going up, and mm. obviously, I've been a sort of worldwide known club to have the opportunity to go and sign for one of the biggest clubs in the world was, was massive for me. And even been in there, sort of more or less as a development player and progress from there. But like, I was like getting starstruck by certain players, he's the same on the yeah. and to have the opportunity to play against them. I remember like Nakamura was probably the, one of the main players there and Aidan McGeady was probably one of the top players as well. But I was just delighted I had, had the likes of Paddy McCourt there as well who knew a new from Derry City who, who obviously helped me massively settle in and just sort of get to know everyone and Neil Lennon sort of being a fellow Irish man as well. And he was there and about the squad as well because he, he always sort of looked after his development mm. squad before he obviously moved on and became first team manager. So for me to move across the obviously Celtic was the only playing like one year full time football was, was a massive step because there was a period of probably about 18 months to two years where I was sort of playing part time football to, to make my debut from the 160,000 in Celtic Park to going on to make my international debut etc as well so everything just sort of happened so quickly in the space of probably just under two years Yeah it's like a Royal Rovers stuff you mentioned Paddy McCourt and for me no disrespect to yourself I suppose because you weren't in the league long enough Paddy's probably one of the most gifted footballers I have seen playing League of Ireland football the Derry Pele, there was just something about him, and I think maybe the hair just added to it all, was it? I think just him as a person, yeah, and how he sort of conducted himself, and how he was sort of see physically and whatnot. But nah, he was uh, even when I came in, like I just seen this big awful head of hair, and you're thinking sort of <laughs> he's this type boy. But once once you get out on the training pitch, and once you get out on the pitch, and you seen him playing, he was just wow, he was just unbelievable. I knew he'd, he'd sort of like obviously getting to know him, he'd been across the water, and obviously came back and. Shamrock Rovers, etc. He's just sort of trying to get his career back on track again, and now nah, he was just brilliant. So he was to sort of have that Tampa player sort of amongst you to, to sort of look up to, and for him to get the move to Celtic, and then me to obviously follow his path was was absolutely crazy. But now nah, he's definitely, I've always said he's definitely been up there with one of the most naturally gifted players I've ever played with, and uh, now nah, he's a great guy off the pitch. Me and him always shared a room most of the time, and on international games as well. So now. Nah, I've got to know him really well over the years and uh, I've definitely passed him as a good friend. Yeah, because you probably actually have followed in his path when you think of it. Derry City, then going to Celtic, then obviously you request then into the Northern Ireland team. So it was good having someone like Pally that was there on the journey with you. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's 
it just makes everything so much easier if you, if you sort of know certain people who, who've obviously came across and in different clubs, previous clubs as well. And uh, I think being Irish, like more often than that, you go to different clubs, you, you always come across Irish players, mm. no matter where you go, and that, that's always been the case. Whereas being obviously Celtic and, and uh, uh, even Brentford and even obviously in, in, in Aberdeen as well. When you go on holiday, as soon as someone hears you're Irish or, or for an Irish person hears you, that it's just straight over to you. I think it's this thing that we... um. We're a magnet for people, and when someone else, I think it's probably because you're a small country as well, that when someone hears another Irish voice, it's great to have that. Oh, definitely. Most of the time, you don't even know how to have to talk, but you can sort of spot an Irish person in Ireland. The guy jersey, that's yeah. normally the way. Yeah, you've got a troll top on and maybe like an from shorts or something, you know. <laughs> always different. I love the way you said the troll. You didn't say Donegal shorts or, or Derry shorts. Your your time at Celtic. That's it. Your time at Celtic. When you think back to when they won the title in twenty eleven, the start of the nine in the row, you unfortunately went out on loan to Brentford. Were you disappointed with how kind of your your Celtic career in some ways ended? about um, Aberdeen and you had a fair bit up the roads to Pataudry. For yourself though, I know you had this whirlwind journey, but when you were playing for Aberdeen and then all of a sudden you had to go back to Celtic Park and you scored against Celtic and all that, how was it? Was it different coming back for you? How did you feel going back to Celtic Park? I think it was strange at the start, but as, as the years go on mm. and obviously things progress, I think you just, you're there to play football and, and nothing else. Like you're not there to obviously um, be the best of friends mm. with everyone. You obviously take time out and speak to people who you've known for, for so many years and help you massively when you're there at something, etc. Where, where it's like people that even work in around the stadium that even see, see to them today that who, uh, who are always sort of nice to me and over, over the years. But as, as times move on, it's just a matter of like football. And at the end of the day, I think you just sort of get that with sort of moving on with your career and getting a wee bit more experience. And the thing is, it's down to you just doing, doing well for your team and obviously putting, putting all your effort in your team and trying to win football matches. So it always is, it is in the back of your mind, obviously, what, what, what if uh, I got more opportunities or what would happen if certain things would have happened or didn't pick up any injuries. But I definitely regret them. I'm, I'm 
I've loved every moment. I have had when I've moved to Aberdeen, and I have a great time here. And even being in Aberdeen has definitely uh, enhanced my international career, that's for sure. Yeah, because I was going to say to you, you know, do you have what ifs? But as you said, you don't have any regrets, and maybe I think things happen for a reason. You mentioned South Korea, and to get that opportunity to go over there, I'd say completely different from going to the brand duel or going down to um, the showgrounds or belly buffet or to Patadri or, or grounds like that, you know, to, to go over there and kind of, kind of a complete transformation. Yeah, no, it's definitely different. Uh, I just saw it like, sort of like, I've no family here in Scotland, I just saw it as a, a new opportunity. There was, there was a uh, South Korean agent who got in touch with me, I put him in touch with my agent, Jerry Carlyle, mm. uh, from Belfast. And uh, things just sort of escalated quickly because I remember Keyson Young I played with at Celtic yeah, in Newcastle yeah. and, and Swansea. So his, his father was a president of the football club. So for uh, for for Key to sort of say good things about me was, was obviously nice, and they obviously were interested. And Keyson Young's father and the actual agent through the whole way from South Korea to Belfast to spend a couple of days in Belfast, meet me in person, get to know me as a person, see who I am, etc. For them to do that, it was a massive thing for me, so uh, they flew the whole way across, met me in person, sit on well, had dinner together, etc., and then they offered me a contract there and then, and it's just one of those ones about trying to arrange to obviously fly over to South Korea and obviously sign, sign the contract when, when I went over there, and that's sort, sort of all a part of the agreement. I just thought, why not? New experience, just just go and uh, experience it. But if it works out, happy days. If not, then I wouldn't have any regrets. I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's a new experience for me. Uh, Football side of things just didn't work out for me. The team was struggling, but regarding sort of lifestyle, living the people were so nice. The stadium and training ground and facilities were, were top notch. Uh, all like the stadiums, etc., were all built in 2002 World Cup in Japan and Korea. Yes. Everything was brilliant, but where I was staying, I was like three hours south of Seoul, which is the capital, and sort of the further south you go, the less sort of English speaking people that you have. But the club were very good to me that they brought in like their own English interpreter. And he was my best mate, to be honest. I, I just done everything with him, and that that was good at the club to do that. But then, obviously, we end up getting relegated as a team, and what usually happens with with the relegation when the teams go to lower leagues, they usually sort of get rid of their their foreign players. So I just agreed to obviously terminate my contract, and obviously move back home again, and was sort of going away to Korea and then come back. I end up having good options when I come back again, which would sort of probably help me with obviously signing a longer term contract with Aberdeen again. Any Korean words? Korean words is like it's very long, like uh, I learned like sort of hello and, and thank you and stuff, but regarding trying to speak a language yeah. is very difficult. I mind, I mind after a couple of weeks that like, even the players' names are like three, like three different. Yeah, that's why Key was called just Key. And, yeah, Key was just Key, but like I'm saying, you're Key some young, but yeah. I, think, I think after a couple of weeks and like, we we lost our manager, the first manager after a couple of months, but after a couple of two weeks, I was being there. He's like, uh, he, he actually sort of asked me, like, do you know all the players' names? And I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, she was proper angry with me, and I was like, like, it's so hard to learn them. Like, I, I just sort of trying to learn them because, like, the first names, etc., you know, so it's very, very difficult. Like, regards, like, being here in Scotland, like, you know everyone's names after a few days, you know. But even foreigners coming into the Premiership now, or I remember when I was doing a bulletin years ago at a radio station, the tennis players, it was like, how am I going to do it? And I used to have to break up up the names because it's still kind of because but it's great to say that you know on your CV that you've done that because if you didn't you'd be thinking oh it's a case of what if coming back to Aberdeen it wasn't a case of you having to settle in because you'd been there before first of all that career like I'm, I'm glad I went no regrets but 
come back to Aberdeen. I knew, I knew, yeah, I went and spoke to different clubs, and as I said earlier, I, I went to Hibs and spoke to Lemmy and went to Hibs training ground, and obviously Hibs are a good club, and uh, he had offered me a contract centre, but I sort of knew when I was coming back to Aberdeen, because obviously I was having the same manager, I, I played obviously my best football in my career at Aberdeen, as it helped me with my international career as well, I've always had a good relationship with the fans, the fans have been brilliant for me, and it's always a place I, I love living and enjoy being here, etc., and then a year and a half ago we just built a, a brand new training ground as well so they have the opening of this new training ground which has helped massively as well and no, I, just, I just felt it was just the right thing for me just sort of coming back signing a longer term contract and I knew what I was coming back to and it just sort of although I was only away for maybe six months in South Korea it just felt like I hadn't been away I was just sort of straight back into the, the swing of things again and just settling quickly again which is good When you play for your country the big thing is obviously your first cap your first goal and then qualifying for a major tournament. And you got that opportunity 2016, and the fact that the Republic qualified as well. And I think it was brilliant. There was a great bit of uh, banter and everything. I'd know a lot of the lads from the Hillsborough Supporters Club. Funny guys, and I tell you, I great bit of crack out there. But for yourself, not only did you qualify for Euro uh, 2016, you scored a goal there. You scored that second goal against Ukraine. What's it feel like? Well, now, first of all, that. To make my debut, like I remember, I was I was at Derry City and I was driving home and Nigel Wellington phoned me. I thought it was a, a bit of a, a piss take at the time, but I sort of like, Paddy McCourt or some of the lads is on. And, no, I thought some of the boys were taking <laughs> a mic out of me, but as, as the conversation progressed and went on, it became sort of more real. And then when I came in and made my debut against Hungary, it was just I think even just sort of the uproar and the big sort of stand in the base I got when I came on as a sub to make my debut. I think it just sort of it was just it was just a brilliant feeling because the sort of the fans just know it's just sort of like one of your own one of your lads who, who's played in the Irish League who, who's come through at Derry City and they sort of like appreciate all that mm. and they sort of get the uproar I did but it was absolutely massive and that, that, that sort of stayed with me from, from day one and yeah like the throughout sort of my early early years it, it's, it was tough uh, international football because we're constantly like meeting up and losing a lot of games obviously qualifying for any major tournaments and then sort of under Michael yeah. even under Michael O'Neill his first sort of maybe 18 I think his first 18 years it's a bit like Stephen Kenny that's it yeah people that wouldn't like the League of Ireland are quick to have digs at him but you say look at what Michael O'Neill done with the North but look at his start yeah definitely now what Michael done was, was, was unbelievable and as I said earlier yeah the first 18 games I think it won't mm. win but he just sort of he just sort of felt it Think everything was moving in the right direction. Uh, the team was starting to get confidence. Well, I picked up a few decent results. And then, but obviously, uh, I remember even the, the campaign before I came in and made my debut. I wasn't really sort of named in the, in the Russia squad. The replayed Russia away wasn't named. But I remember at the time I started doing well for Aberdeen. I was scoring a few goals. And then he named me in the squad that to play Portugal. And I remember going away. And I just thought, keep my head down, work hard. So I went away and I had a really good week's training. And he ended up starting me out of nowhere and then that's when I ended up scoring my first goal against Portugal in Porto which was unbelievable and the whole sort of build up was obviously around Ronaldo because he says Hunter's cap and then for us to go there and get a one each draw was, was obviously huge and yeah things just sort of progressed there for me personally I sort of played a lot of football under Michael and he gave me a lot of opportunities which I'm, which I'm thankful for and even through that campaign I felt that I scored a, an important goal in Hungary uh, I came up with a few assists as well along that campaign and obviously the to qualify for the years which was unbelievable although I didn't play the first game I was just 
over the moon they even get some game time the second game and then I didn't think in a million years I would end up coming on and scoring and regard game time I was disappointed to play as much mm. as, as I would have liked but I, I would take up scoring a goal over any game time more, uh, more so than anything so the score goal of the major tournament and sort of it being sort of on the world stage was, was just unbelievable and it's, it's a moment I've, I've always said it in different interviews and, and different things it's probably like, yes I, I loved it and enjoyed it at the time and obviously you get all the sort of recognition from it but it's one of those ones that probably only sink in until maybe 20, 30 years down the line when I'm yeah, when you, yeah, when you retire yeah. maybe like when I'm going to like maybe guest speaking events or you bring up memories or you're meeting with old teammates and talking Obviously, doing, doing, going to that major tournament and scoring that goal. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll probably kick in, obviously, when yeah. I end up retiring and obviously they're doing things later down the line, I would imagine. When you've the pipe and slippers on, you mentioned the supporters and, as I said, I know a few of the guys that are members of the Hillsborough Supporters Club and just looking at pictures on social media and you'll see them going away in journeys. There's a great bond between the players and the supporters. And all the fans been brilliant for, for me since day one even even at the Euros you just sort of the recognition the Republic of Ireland fans and the Northern yeah. Ireland fans got for, for their support and even just sort of enjoying each other's company and having a laugh and having a sing song at the right times which was, it was brilliant to see and us as players like we obviously didn't get to really sort of enjoy sort of the fan side of things we've seen videos and we, we, we obviously watched different things and we had obviously the homecoming when we came home as well which was obviously Brilliant, but we didn't really sort of get to enjoy the moment that obviously the fans did, but just just sort of look back to see what they went through, even sort of travelling arrangements, what, what people don't even get to travel for days, etc. was was huge, and even sort of being, even we get it now when you go to certain countries, and you're just out maybe for a walk or you're going for a coffee, and you bump into fans, yeah. I think it's, I think it's good for the, for the likes of the Northern Ireland, like we, we, we just have a close-knit group of, of players that sort of get on really well with the fans, and Although obviously the England players and obviously your bigger nations and sort of the worldwide known players, maybe they're obviously not able to maybe go walk down the street and just bump into fans and have maybe normal conversations. It's tough for them because they'll never really know what it's like to be appreciated. And I think that's what I love about yourselves and, and even the Republic that, you know, I think probably because it's years of, you know, what, not winning anything, but win, lose, or draw, you're just so proud of where you're from and proud of the lads that are putting on that jersey and giving everything. Yeah, for sure not. You just appreciate the, the sort of, like, even, as I said earlier, the early years, like, you appreciate the sacrifices the fans go through, like, uh, year upon year, like, traveling all over the country, traveling the away games, putting in their obviously hard earned money to, to obviously go and see the team and maybe not succeed. So, for us to have that, uh, success with the Euros was, was obviously credit to the fans for the first time in 30 odd years yeah. we were qualified for a major tournament. So, sort of, to have like a major tournament like that and see how much it meant to fans was special and hopefully that's definitely and definitely helped to sort of bring a lot of sort of positivity and a lot of sort of goodness back to back to the country. So and, and that's obviously thanks to Michael and thanks to the players and obviously fans, everything they working together. We mentioned the players that went through the League of Ireland and now you look at yourselves. You've got Ian Barraclough, Ian was with Sligo Rovers, then Michael had time with you was with Shamrock Rovers now over at Stoke City Stephen Kenny so it's not only a breeding ground for players it's actually a breeding ground for managers yeah definitely and I think as well managers like if obviously things don't work out maybe across Scotland or England the, the door's always open with mm. Jordan obviously moving back and being a manager in, uh, in the Irish League being a manager it definitely uh, opens up opportunities and even with obviously teams 
nowadays doing well in Europe, such as like Dundalk, etc. Doing well in Europe, and then feel always sort of pushing for the Champions League, etc. Although it's always going to be difficult, but yeah, sort of like the likes of maybe David Healy at the moment, who's been doing really well and been very consistent over over this last few years as well. So there's always good opportunities uh, in the League of Ireland and, and definitely in the, in the Irish League as well, and even sort of at uh, youth level as uh, Ian Barclops is prime example. He's done well with it. Under 21s, and now he's obviously pushed on to be the first team manager as well. So now the door's never shut. On, on obviously, if, if, if sort of things don't work out across the water, or regards maybe England or Scotland. You obviously uh, were with Derry City, and you didn't spend that much time with Stephen Kenny. But you know, I've talked to the players, and I knew Stephen when he was with Longford Town, and he's meticulous, he's methodical. In some ways, were you not surprised that he got the Republic of Ireland job? Not I never and even since, since I left Derry, uh, I came across him on numerous occasions. One of my good mates uh, that I played with at Derry City, Thomas Stewart, he, he ended up uh, playing for Dundalk and he played at Sean McGrover's under Michael O'Neill. But I went and seen him a few times in Dundalk and uh, I ended up speaking to him, uh, Stephen Kenny. And for the sort of see what he's achieved, I, I definitely wasn't surprised because the way he sort of went about his business, how, how he was as a manager, and how he was even sort of. Uh, it's like. It's, Normal skills around each and every player. Like for, for me, example, like he always just sort of wanted me to just sort of get chalk in my boots, get wide, get on the ball, and just sort of try and create chances. Always stay positive, look, you make mistakes, but just sort of keep sort of trying to create problems for, for other teams. And I don't want him underneath them. And he, he was brilliant for me that, that, that first year at Derry City, definitely. And, and uh, yeah, definitely no surprises when, when obviously I seen his name being linked and then for him to get the job was, was great news for him. Fingers crossed that actually things do work out uh, for him. And as you said, you know, look at Michael O'Neill. I think it's a, a case of given time, but sometimes supporters can be fickle. So growing up in Tyrone, I can imagine little Niall McGinn when he was younger with uh, either a soccer ball or a Gaelic ball under his arm. Who did you want to be when you were either tapping away? Who were you, What soccer player did you want to be or... Or who did you think you were, or when you were playing Gaelic, who who did you look up to? Uh, uh, yeah, I was always, always playing soccer, always playing Gaelic. I was, my, my dad and my brother were always Liverpool fans, so I ended up Man United when I was young. We wanted to be a wee, wee, bit, wee bit different. And, uh, but I, I've had all the details back when United were good, so I was quite happy. But, you know, I, I really like sort of like Eric Cantona and Ryan Giggs and, and sort of players like that. that yeah, not even sort of Gaelic, but obviously the one and only Peter Callum, I loved him, and I've even uh, spoke, to, spoke to him like on a few occasions, and then recently there actually got uh, Paddy Talley, who is obviously a coach at uh, County Down, Down yeah. got touched. so he actually got touching me, and we just had good conversations about Gaelic, and obviously how, how things might have panned out if I actually had a stead in Tyrone and, and played Gaelic, because I was, I was a talented Gaelic footballer, and I actually loved it. I love playing for Tyrone and obviously Dominic Moore, et cetera, as well. But not. You mentioned uh, Peter Canavan. Look, at, you had years of Mickey Hart, but there's a new era now for uh, Tyrone with uh, Brian and Fergal. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like, uh, I've always been kept in close contact with Colin Kjavna, who, who was at my school and uh, at Sackney School, and me and him built up a good friendship over mm. the years. And I was always keen to sort of keep an eye on, on Big Colin because obviously he ended up having a good career as well as his, his brother Sean Kelvin who had a, a brilliant career as well. So I've always supported Tyrone and I've always obviously would have loved to play for Tyrone obviously in the first team I had opportunity at minor level etc. But obviously playing Tyrone would have been brilliant. But 
obviously with things the way they worked out and perhaps he had a, a great opportunity to become a professional footballer, I, I couldn't have turned that down. And now, but Jordan sort of thrown now, it's the shortest year on year, they just always seem to have, have a new flux of obviously talent mm-hmm. players coming through, which, which is obviously good and it just shows you sort of the work that sort of the clubs are doing throughout Toronto, etc. But that's always sort of seeing them sort of being there or thereabouts is always great. But to be honest, it's always going to be hard to obviously compete with the likes of Dublin, mm-hmm. etc. at the moment. But you're hoping sort of over the course of the next sort of few years, but on the new sort of the rain, new managers that they can maybe start competing for, for all Ireland again. You seem to be a positive person. Were you always like that? Or maybe kind of used to kind of getting a bit of knocks when you were younger and knockbacks or setbacks that you kind of built up this thick skin? Or have you always been positive? I think it's built up over the years because I'm definitely, like a lot of people don't know about setbacks, but I've, mm. I've had a lot of setbacks over the years. I've always been the type of guy just to sort of stay happy medium, never get too high and I never obviously get too low, as, as cliche as that is. But yeah. I've, had, I've had loads of knockbacks some examples are like I went on trial when I was younger to crew Alexandra and I happened to do really well in the trial, I scored a couple of goals but later said to me, no, I was I was sort of too small that they obviously weren't gonna sign me, etc. And I remember going home over with another lad who they ended up signing and I did really well in the game, etc. And then even for Dungan and Swift, so I was uh, I remember I was sort of pushing into the first team, doing quite well, and then we had an Irish Cup final, which is the first time in so many years we qualified, or got to the Irish Cup final against Linfield, and I wasn't even named on the bench, and I remember when he sort of didn't say my name on the bench, I, I sort of had tears in my eyes, that just um, just how low I felt then was, was crazy, and even me and my old sort of managers, but from, from that time still speak about it, and how, how like he didn't put me in the squad that day was, was crazy, but... You sort of learn from those things and it makes you sort of hungrier and want to sort of prove people wrong and sort of go on and obviously have a good career for yourself because if you sort of let different things that got affect you then obviously it's it's not going to be good. So it's just about working hard and obviously just sort of trying to prove people wrong along the way and I think I've done that over the years which has been pleasing. And I think definitely your motto seems to be from just talking to you and, and everything you've done in life, no regrets. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, I wouldn't have thought in a million years I would have been a professional footballer, never mind an international footballer and what I've, what I've done and what I've achieved. So, yeah, there's still a few years left me yet, so it's just obviously trying to enjoy it as much as I possibly can and just sort of, it's, I'm, I'm very fortunate in position because even sort of now in these tough times, I'm able to go to training every day, still able to play, loads difficult with no fans, etc. But I'm just sort of happy that I can still do that. And, yeah, just sort of keep enjoying life as much as I possibly can because there'll, there'll be a time where a day that I'll obviously uh, be disappointed when I do stop playing because it's probably, although obviously school days, they always say it's the best days of your life, but being a professional footballer and having that sort of, just sort of keeping that going for as long as possible is, is a big thing for me and I, and I still want to do that. You mentioned the supporters. I was at um, a couple of the ladies' games in Camogie last year and Crow Park where it was just like you could hear a pin drop, no support. So I could just imagine, you know, for your home games that Patadri are going to, other grounds around the country where there's always been that atmosphere and especially at a soccer match where kind of the chanting and the banter and that what is it like and you know you have these pipes sound and I just have to turn down the television because I just can't deal with it but what's it like for yourselves or is the case if you just switch off? At the start it was definitely very strange uh, but it's something I've just became used to but for me personally like I've, I've always been the type of player that I've always buzzed off like going to like intimidating atmosphere <laughs> in grounds and 
obviously get a wee bit of stick along the way. It's, it's sort of light-hearted stick, but obviously you've certain individuals that maybe take things too far. But I'm they're not there for the football now. And all the, the certain fans are obviously saying things because they know maybe you're a threat to their team or, mm. or to other different things, or, or maybe because I've been a Celtic before and mm. this and I'm that. But I've always sort of like just got on with things and sort of let uh, these sort of intimidating atmospheres just sort of use them to thrive on and just sort of try and obviously, as, as I said before, just prove people wrong and try and go out and do well for your team and obviously get positive results. And if you do that for your team, and it obviously allows them to go home unhappy. And, that's always a great thing, but regarding sort of playing now with no fans, it's, it's definitely strange, and we definitely miss them, and even sort of when the team goes through uh, rough patches, which probably we are just now, you sort of need the fans more than anything, and now hopefully sooner or later we can get them in, but it's obviously going to be looking like it's going to be sometime next season. Listen, true fans are true fans, and they'll appreciate a player no matter where he's from or who he is or what colour of his skin. There's so much about um, James McLean, and the great thing is now the PFA, everyone has come out in support of him. And as you said yourself, you experienced it, but probably not as bad as James has. No, definitely not. Obviously, there is pity there towards James because he's a lad that obviously comes out and speaks his mind at times, and he's obviously not going to please everybody, but. uh, Stuff that's sort of happened at the moment, I think it's great. I think it's uh, it's good that it's sort of being publicised on a, on a massive platform such as Sky Sports News, etc. And you hear different managers come out talking. And it's good that they're sort of not just sort of concentrating maybe on obviously all the Black Lives Matter stuff, which is obviously very important. But the thing is, there is other sort of people with different sort of uh, backgrounds, etc. Such as teams that, that obviously things need to be heard, things need to be uh, said, etc. These people sort of as a trolls, you like to call them, maybe on on their keyboards back home, and I think a, a lot of a lot of anger sort of stems from from people not being allowed to go to the grounds. And obviously, it stems even more for for them being home and not being able to go to the grounds, and then them having the ability to obviously say what they like over over the course of, of obviously the internet and the computer, and it's just just vile. And people just sort of need to be taught a lesson. And people need to be the name needs to be tarnished, and they need to be obviously brought forward spoken to and dealt with in whatever way that they need to be dealt with and I think uh, the more stuff like this comes out the better it is for, for everybody and hopefully that can obviously benefit everyone in the, in the long run Well listen thank you for taking time out to have a chat with me best luck with Aberdeen except when you're playing Celtic best luck with um, the qualifying campaign that will be starting soon for yourself with Northern Ireland strange times but, um, no but um, listen thank you so much take care of yourself thank you